Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. So it was about, uh, it was about 10 years ago, my lovely wife Susan and I were living out by Samish Island. We were renting a house. We were newly married. And I am running to town in my little Toyota pickup truck, running some errands. And I get this phone call from my wife. And she literally says, Mark, there are hogs in our garage. And I said, what are you talking about? She says, and she's like freaking out on the phone. And she says, you need to get home right away. There are hogs in our garage. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So I turn around and, and drive back home and pull into our long driveway. The garage door is open. Susan's car is in the garage. And sure enough, there are about six or seven 160 to 175 pound hogs in our garage. So I park my truck, and I'm, obviously I'm trying to think, how in the world did these pigs get in our garage, and what is going on with all of this? And, and, uh, and so now I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, how many of you know that when pigs uh, go to the bathroom, it smells really bad? <laughs> now, I'm a big guy, but let me tell you, I have a very sensitive sniffer. In other words, I have a really quick gag reflex. So I go in the garage, I grab some boots because they had been making a mess in our garage, and I start chasing these pigs around Susan's car, and and they would kind of run, and they would squeal, and I would chase, and I was getting mad, and I'm trying not to fall in pig poop, and it smells really bad, and so I'm kind of running and gagging and getting madder and madder and madder at these stupid pigs, and I, I finally reach over, and there was a pipe kind of on the, on the wall of the garage. I pick up this pipe, and I'm just smacking these pigs now. Let me tell you, my wife was standing outside the garage door laughing hysterically as I chased these stupid pigs around our garage. And and then right off of the garage, there was this little hallway that didn't have a door that goes into our laundry room. You guys, there were hogs in our laundry room making, and I would chase a pig and it would smack it with a pipe. and, And inevitably, I got these six or seven hogs out of our garage and they had gotten out from a neighbor's farm down the road and happened to find their way into our garage and you know those hogs didn't belong in our garage and you know I also think that there's times that we can allow things into our life we can allow things into our spiritual journey that don't belong there and today I want to talk about a hog that I think, um, I actually think it's kind of a, an, a, a pandemic of its own, and that is this word called shame. You know, I think that shame uh, can be one of the most crippling, uh, damaging things that impacts what's going on in our life. The reality is it's, is it's really hard to live the life that God wants us to live, to experience the things that he wants us to experience today if we're stuck in the shame of yesterday. So today, you guys, my, my prayer um, and my heart has been that through this message is that if you've struggled with shame at any point in your life, 
that God would do something miraculous in your life. Whether you're here in person or whether you're watching online, my prayer is that God would take the weight of shame and free you of it today. So today I want to talk about three different things. I want to talk about what shame looks like. I want to talk about how shame impacts us. And then ultimately, how do we win this war with shame? So let's talk about what does shame look like. You know, guilt and shame, sometimes people think that, that uh, if I feel guilty, that that's shame. But guilt and shame are actually very different from one another. Guilt is how we feel about our actions and what we have done, where shame is how we feel about ourselves and who we are. It's this inner feeling, this inner sense that there is something inherently wrong with me. Shame says that there's something uniquely wrong with me. And it's this inner critic that's kind of shouting in our ear that I'm not enough. That who I am as a person, that I am ultimately not enough. I believe that as believers, that shame is an all-out attack and an assault on our soul. Hmm. You see, shame is, is like persecuting ourself. I kind of picture it in my mind like this, like a prosecuting attorney trying to condemn someone. Shame is kind of like having that prosecuting attorney live in my heart and live in my mind and continually be saying there's something inherently wrong with who you are as a person. And I ultimately believe that the devil uses shame to isolate us and and to get us to believe that what God says about us is not true. You know, we don't talk a lot about the, the devil here. It's just not who we are as a church. But I, but I certainly believe that the devil is real, just like I believe that God is real. There's a verse in John 10.10 10 that says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I've, I've had, just so that you guys, I'll give kind of a glimpse into my story, um, I have had an, an intimate journey with shame for most of my life. It started when I was uh, pretty young. I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad were in ministry, and, and I grew up in Anacortes with uh, a, an Evans family that were big, tall, athletic men. My uncle, my dad, my cousin, my brother, that all kind of went before me were athletes, and they were tall in stature and big and had a presence about them, and I was a late bloomer. Uh, I didn't hit puberty until my freshman year in high school, so you can imagine, here I am, going in 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth grade. You guys, I was, in 8th and ninth grade, I was probably one of the smallest two guys in my entire class. And I remember having this feeling inside of me because I had, these, I had these things that I wanted to do. I wanted to play basketball like everybody in our family had done. And I wanted to be able to be a good athlete. And I had these, this idea in my mind about what you are when you're an Evans man. And here I am stuck in this little boy's body. And I just felt this, man, what is wrong with me? Why am I different? And I felt shame about who I was. I remember when I was going through that, that season of life, you guys, I'm a very... Um, Uh, What's the right way to phrase this? Uh, I have a tender heart. 
And so I would come home from school and, and I would just feel these emotions and I wouldn't know where these emotions were coming from. And, and I would just start to cry. I'd come home from school, I'd go in my bedroom and tears would just come. And I would try to, doggone it, Mark, stop crying. Why are you crying again? And, you know, kind of the cry where you, <gasps> you know, you can't catch your breath, you know, that kind of a thing. And, and I just felt this shame, like, man, why, why can't I be tough? And why can't I be strong? And why am I different than all my friends? And why am I small? And I was getting picked on a lot at school, and I felt fear all the time, and I was afraid to defend myself because I didn't want to get beat up, you know, and I just felt this, man, why do I feel like such a weak person? Shame really was a, a big part of my, uh, you know, adolescent years, and, and then many of you know uh, some of my story or more of my story, but about, uh, about 12 years ago, I went through a divorce. I had been unfaithful in my marriage, and it was my fault, and, and through that journey going into 2008, um, I lost almost everything. I went through a bankruptcy, and, and it, was a very, uh, it was a very visible and public thing because of who I am and how many people know me, and, and where I took that was to this place of shame. I felt like I had been exercising these shame muscles for most of my life, and then when that moment came, shame is where I camped, and uh, it dominated my life. I began to feel this overwhelming sense that God can never use me again, that I'm disqualified, that I'm worthless, that there is, I'm a fraud, there's something inherently wrong with me, and, and ultimately, you guys, it, it culminated with me ready to take my life with a noose around my neck, and, and shame, um, uh, was really a powerful negative uh, force in my life that simply let me believe that my best days were behind me and that God would never use me again. So how does shame, how does shame impact us? Shame impacts us in a couple ways. It, it causes us to cover ourselves, to isolate and to hide. You guys, shame causes us to begin to fear. I remember when I was going through my shame storm in 2008, you guys, I was literally afraid to go to Fred Meyer and buy milk because I didn't know who might run across my path and what might that experience be like for me. And so I began to isolate and I began to pull away and, and I had friends that would ran away and then, but then I just started to isolate myself because I didn't know who could I trust and who can I talk to. And um, you guys, shame will cause us to fear. Shame begins to tell you that you are so bad that God is a million miles away from you. Shame begins to tell me that God is literally disgusted with me. That's what I felt like. Shame tells me that if people really knew what was going on inside of me, that they would not want to be around me. Hmm. You guys, it's one, it's one thing to not like something that we have done. It is a totally different thing to not like who we are. I did a lot of backpacking when I was young, and uh, sometimes I still like to go do that. Usually it's to go chase critters that have horns on their head and that are hiding in the woods. Um, but you guys, usually when you go backpacking, it's, this, it's with this idea that there is a mountaintop that I want to reach. There is a beautiful view that I want to experience. There is a stream that I want to go along. There is just this idea that I want to, I got to reach a destination. And you guys, shame, shame is like this, 
incredibly powerful negative weight that we begin to carry in our life. And it's, it's a lot like if I was going to go on a backpack trip with AJ, and, and before I went on that backpack trip, I started to load these rocks of shame in my life. And yet somehow I want to experience all that God has for my life, but I'm going to carry these rocks of shame in my life. Shame, words that, that begin to say, that, or thoughts that begin to say, you know, I'm rotten. And I'm going, to put that, I'm going to put that weight in my backpack. I've got this, I've got this rock because I begin to feel like, man, I've, I've messed up, so I must be, I must be disqualified. I, I feel disgraced, and I feel this weight of shame, and I, I begin to kind of tuck it into my backpack of life, and, and I begin to zip up the zippers, and I've got other rocks that I start to hide that say, I'm a fraud, and I put them in my backpack. You know, there's this other rock. This, this rock says, shame on you. You know, maybe you're hearing this today, and, and maybe you've had somebody in your life that have said those words to you. I actually think it's probably some of the most damaging words that can ever be spoken over someone's life. Shame on you. Maybe it was a, a parent, or maybe it was a coach, or maybe it was a neighbor, or maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe, it was, maybe you did something, and you dropped something, or you made a mistake, or, and you heard these words, shame on you, and, and you, when you took those, heard those words, you began to take that weight and begin to ponder, man, shame on me, that must be true. Maybe there is something wrong with me. Maybe I am a mess up. Maybe I am a failure. And, and so I put those weights and I, I put them in my backpack, but somehow I want to go experience all the things that God has for my life. And maybe you're somebody here today and, and maybe you've gone through a divorce and, and you carry that weight in your backpack. Maybe you're somebody today who, like I did in 2008, went through a bankruptcy or maybe you've tried to start a business and you, and you weren't successful and you, you, on the heels of that, you take that weight and you stick it in your backpack and you think, man, other people can have blessing financially. Other people can start a business and win, but why is it that when I do it, something must be really wrong with me? Maybe you're somebody that struggled with addiction, and you carry that weight of shame, and you put it in your backpack because you think, man, I don't want to do that thing, but why is it when the stress comes, that's the thing that I go back to, and, and I feel this weight of shame, and I put it in my backpack. Maybe like me, you're somebody who had an affair, was unfaithful in a marriage, and you take that weight, and you put it in your backpack, and zip that thing up tight. There's some types of shame that come because of things that we do, and there's another type of shame maybe that comes... That wasn't your fault. You know, some people have experiences in their life where someone that, that, that was supposed to be trusted in their life did something to them when they were a kid, and maybe they feel violated. Maybe they feel abused. Maybe they were taken advantage of. And they take that, and they take the emotion of that, and they stick it in their backpack, and they begin to carry that weight of shame. You know, it would be really a challenge if I had hundreds of pounds of weight and I put them in this backpack and now I'm going to go try to summit a mountain and experience all that God has for me. And I've made these mistakes in my life and 
I naturally, if, if you're anything like me, what I did is I took those mistakes and I took the straps on the backpack and I just cinched them up really tight. Said something must really be wrong with me. Hmm. You guys, here's what the Bible says, though. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And this is out of the message. I love this. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? He says, come to me. Get away with me. And you will recover your life. Wow. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn how to live freely and lightly. That's some good news, right? That's some great news. So how do we win this war on shame? There's two ways I want to talk about that tonight. The first one is to have real relationships on your life, in your life. And secondly, to put on the coat of righteousness. So real relationships. Obviously, I believe a lot in, in relationships. And let me kind of give you a definition of what I think a real relationship is. A real relationship is where I can be my authentic self take off my mask, and experience love even when I'm vulnerable. A few weeks ago, uh, a group of guys got together, and we had a gentleman in town by the name of John Lynch, and he said this, this statement while we were together. He said, when I wear a mask, it is only the mask that receives love. Wow. Wow. You guys, here's, the, here's what happens. When we feel shame, at least for me, when I felt shame, I wanted to isolate. We tend to want to hide when we feel shame. We can even look back into Genesis, right? Chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says that they hid from the Lord. They made a mistake. They ate of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, and what did they naturally want to do? They wanted to hide and cover themselves. When we feel shame, we begin to fear, we isolate, and, and so the reality is what we have to do is, is we have to move towards people instead of moving away from people. It's crazy. It's this incredible paradox because everything inside of us when we feel shame is going to scream, run away and go be alone. But it's exactly the opposite that we have to do. We have to, we have to move towards people and we can't hide in order to heal shame. We need to move towards relationships and towards connection, towards doing life together where we can ultimately be known, loved, and accepted. It's one of the reasons I, here at Radius you hear us talk all the time about, about doing life together and, and about, about life groups. It's, it's kind of the vehicle that we use to be able to get people connected because, friends, church is way more than coming to a weekend uh, service and hearing a message. It's about doing life with people that are, that are heading in the same direction. We have a really cool new launch. Obviously, COVID was a challenge to life groups, but uh, we're coming out of that. Thank you, Jesus. Um, 
We have a life group rally that is coming up on the weekend of October 24th. Uh, So get ready for that because after services there will be life group booths and tables and we're going to have fun and and, uh, I'm going to do everything I can to get you connected with people so that you can do life with other people. Friends, let me ask you this question. Do you have one or two people in your life who have earned your trust so that you can share your shame with them and that they can ultimately help you remove the rocks from your backpack. Because the truth is, we all need some friends who are going to do that for us. I've got a couple people I want to tell you a story about. One of them is a, a friend of mine by the name of Tom Beck. He lives in Colorado. I've known him for 20 some years. And In 2008, 2009, when I was going through the trauma of my shame storm, the reality is that uh, Tom probably saved my life. I remember being on the phone with him when I was driving my truck at one time, and and I was just venting all this stuff about all the emotion that I was feeling and all the shame that I was feeling. And you guys, it was literally like that man, Tom Beck, was reaching through the phone and saying, Mark, let me, let me help take some of those rocks out of your backpack. Your best days are not behind you. God has work for you. Your life is worth living. I believe in you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to run away from you. And he saw me for who I am in that moment, and he loved me even though I was a complete train wreck. Another gentleman, a, a bald preacher by the name of Ken Hubbard, in that same season of my life, he was at another church here in Mount Vernon, and I didn't go to church for quite a while because I, I didn't know where it was safe, and I got a meeting with Ken, and we're sitting across this coffee table, and he didn't know me from a hole in the wall, but I, I, I literally looked at him, and I said, I said, do you know who I am? And he said, I don't have any clue who you are other than that you wanted to meet with me, and I said, well, let me start to tell my story, and so I told him a little glimpse of my story, and, and he, said, he said, yeah, I, I know who you are. And then he leaned, you guys, across that table. And he said, Mark, this is going to be a safe place for you. Where you're at is not where you have to stay. God's not done with you yet. Your best days are not behind you. And he spoke life over me in that moment. And again, it was like he was saying, Mark, Let me come around, let me reach around you, and let me help take that backpack off. Because Jesus ain't done with you yet. Hmm. Man, isn't that good news? You guys, we need need life-giving relationships with people who are going to remind us who we are in Christ. We all need some friends that are going to reach around and and help pull some rocks out of our backpack. We all need some friends who are going to say, hey, it's it's okay to take the backpack off. It's okay. it, we need friends that are going to reach around and say, here, let me, let me help you for a season carry the weight of that backpack. That say that they believe in us and that where we're at is not where we have to stay and that our best days are still ahead, right? We all need some friends that are going to be like that. The second key to winning the war on shame is to put on the coat of righteousness. I, got, I, I came to Jesus, I got saved when I was about seven years old, grew up in Anacortes, and you guys, I've known my entire life that Jesus died for my sins. 
and I've known all my life about this incredible gift of salvation. But it was not until the last couple years that I started to actually understand that the gift of righteousness is as much as a gift as salvation is. I didn't even understand what that meant. Here's what righteousness is. Righteousness is a right standing with God. You see, we all tend to think that when we do good, we, when we do good, we are righteous, but God says we're righteous because of Jesus. Hmm. We think if I do good, I get good, and if I do bad, I get bad, or I am bad. That's what shame says, right? But righteousness is something that's completely different. We get aware of this code of righteousness because of Jesus and his life and his performance, not our performance. That is, that is good news. See, the reason why we are righteous is because Jesus, on that cross, he took our sin, he took our shame, and he exchanged that for salvation and for righteousness. Friends, if you don't hear anything else today, this is the thing, this is the truth that I believe. If you will grab hold of this, if you have wrestled with shame, this is the thing that I believe can set you free. When you grab this truth, that when Jesus hung on that cross, that he paid for our sin, that he carried our shame. And when we say to Jesus, come into my life, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Be my Lord, be my master, be my savior, be my God. When we do that and we get saved, at that same time, he takes away all of our sin and he exchanges it. Do you realize that? That on the cross, he said, Mark, you, you've been carrying all of this shame, but I, I, I took it all. All of your sin, I took it all. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, in exchange for that, I'm going to give you this gift of righteousness. He made this exchange. It's incredible. Because we are righteous because of our birthright. When we are born again, it is now a birthright. We are righteous because of birthright, not because of our behavior. That is good news. Let me give you a couple of verses. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. I'm going to blow through a couple of verses here really quick. It says, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 61.10 says, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that for God made Christ, who never sinned to be, to be our offering, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Those words made right means right standing, which means I'm righteous. That is great news. So when I get saved, he gives me this coat of righteousness. I've been wearing that backpack, but he gives me this coat of righteousness. You see, righteousness is not right doing. It is right being. I am in Christ. I am given this gift of righteousness. Friends, hear me today, please. You are righteous. You are not rotten. 
No matter what you've done, no matter what secrets you've held, no matter the experiences that you've had in your life, no matter the mess-ups that you've had in your life, you are righteous. One of the things that I've learned um, as I, because I, shame can still be a, an easy place for me to go to. If I mess up, if I do something, shame is, is, is an easy default for me. So one of the things that I've had to learn to do is to declare with my voice my righteousness. To, to literally speak out loud. Because when I speak out loud with my mouth, that I am righteous, there's something that happens. It, it, it kind of transfers from my mouth into my head and into my heart. And I become more and more conscious of my righteousness rather than allowing shame to be this voice that's moving around in my mind is I can declare my righteousness and, and it, will, it will penetrate my heart instead of letting shame be the thing that grabs hold of me. So if you're struggling with shame, I, I've got something I want you to take a picture of. And here's what I would love for you to do, is as if you struggle with shame, when you wake up in the morning, declare this statement over your life. Before you go to bed, declare this statement over your life. And boldly say this, say, God, I thank you that I am righteous in Christ not because of what I have done, but because of what Christ has done. Righteousness is a gift, and I receive it with all of my heart. Hmm. Because when we're righteous, there's something that happens, is we, are, we get aware of this code of righteousness, and being in Christ comes with all of these incredible promises. And it's a package deal. They come with this code of righteousness. So what I've had to do, and what I'm going to encourage you, is when you, when you struggle with a thought, is I want you to declare certain things over your life because they, they come with this, they come with this coat. So you may be struggling or at a point in your life where you feel defeated. So there's these promises that come with this coat. So we need to tell ourselves Isaiah 54 that says, No weapon formed against me will prosper. Man, you might feel, you might feel internally like I'm unworthy. So we need to tell ourselves Deuteronomy 28 that I am the head and I am not the tail. You guys, these promises come with the coat. Shame might whisper to you. It may be this accusing little voice that whispers to you that says that you're rotten. So tell yourself, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that I am a new creation. You guys, these promises come with the coat. And there's all of these pockets that have these promises in them that you can grab hold of in your life. So shame may begin to tell you that you are not worthy of love. So tell yourselves, Ephesians 2, verse 4, that I am loved affectionately by God. You might have been carrying this backpack of shame, and you might have been carrying it for years. So you can tell yourselves, 1 John 1, 9, that I am completely forgiven. I don't have to carry that weight around anymore. You might feel like your past defines you. 
So tell yourselves, Galatians 2.20, that it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. There's all of these pockets that have these incredible promises that we can speak and declare over our life. You may have thought that you are disqualified. It's what I felt like I was, I was disqualified. So tell yourselves, Ephesians 4.24, that I am truly righteous and holy. You guys, the friends, the, the devil may be whispering these words in your mind like, you're a failure. You're worthless. I picture it kind of like this prosecuting attorney, like I mentioned, that's, that's, that's like speaking these uh, condemning words over my life. So when that happens, I tell myself, Jeremiah 20, verse 11, that the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, and my prosecutors will not prevail. Man, you might have been carrying this weight of shame, so tell yourself, Isaiah 61.10, that I am the righteousness of Christ. I am in Christ. That's good news, right? We have to declare those things over our life. Friends, I wonder, Radius Church, I wonder what this is like. Here's one of the things that I, I, I pray for for our church is that when people come through those doors, that they get to experience relationships with people that are going to help them take that backpack of shame off of their life. I love it when people come in and they're, they're wearing that backpack of shame and then they, they accept Christ and they, they walk out wearing this incredible coat of righteousness. You guys, here's the, here's the good news for me, and I hope it's going to be true for you. You guys, I don't feel shame over my story anymore. I'm forgiven. I know that my best days are still ahead. I believe that God loves me, and I know that I am clothed in righteousness, and I want that for you as well. So friends, as we close, I'm going to have us, I want us to, I want us to sing a song together and I want us to, I want us to worship together a little bit. And um, as we do that, my prayer is that as we sing this song, if you have struggled with shame, I literally want you almost inside of yourself to feel like I'm taking off this backpack and I'm putting on this coat of righteousness. And let, let the Holy Spirit, let God minister to your heart. Literally, if you want to, you could even feel like I'm, I'm taking this rock of this experience that I feel shame over and, and I'm going to take it out of my backpack and I'm going to carry this put on this coat that Jesus gives me. So if you would, everybody just stand together and